on everybody. It's good to see you guys. Good group tonight. You guys are in competition with 413. Good grief. They fill up three rows over there. Man. All right. Well, I love this opportunity. Uh, I had said it before. I just want to reiterate it. Three things that I, I could talk about at the drop of a hat. Sports, my family, and the word. And so I'm excited for the opportunity tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. Now, the last few times I've been able to speak on Wednesday night, I've opened up with a little bit of trivia, and it's been Bible trivia. Now, I'm not going to do Bible trivia, but for those of you who may be a little on the elderly side, or just, just, <laughs> I'm just you're going to have an advantage, or maybe you've come from more of a, a traditional church, I have some questions tonight about hymns. Hymns, okay? So Marilyn, she's shaking her head at me. I thought these were so phenomenal. There are, there are so many great hymns. The Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Paul shows value in all three, okay? So I found this week that there is a dentist's Hymn. Do you guys have any idea what hymn dentists prefer? I didn't either. No guesses? Crown him with many crowns. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. I'm going to give you another shot at this. <laughs> the weatherman's hymn. If you, if you have a guess, you can just shout it out. Did you say something, Ashley? Okay, just check it. There shall be showers of blessing. The weatherman's hymn. You guys laughed more with the dentist hymn. How about this? This is a play on words. The tailor's hymn. It's right there. Are you ready? Holy, holy, holy. Hmm. Do a couple more, a couple more. The politician's hymn. <laughs> That's a loaded question. The politician's hymn. Standing on the promises. <laughs> Don't we all wish? That would be good. Yeah, I got one more for you, and then we're going to get into the word. The IRS agent's hymn. I surrender all. <laughs> I surrender all. Well, tonight, guys, Wednesday evening Bible study. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to welcome you to open to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. I don't normally title the Wednesday night Bible study. It is what it is. But if I have a title tonight, I'd like to say that it is the voice of God. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we have this beautiful account of one of the great up-and-coming prophets of his day when he was a boy. This account is of Samuel, taken from 1 Samuel. And if you guys would indulge me, I'd like to read the first 10 verses of chapter 3. 
Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There, were, there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Samuel, then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran into Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called to Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. What a beautiful, lovely account given to us in the Old Testament of Samuel as a boy. I, I need to give you just a little bit of backstory if you're not familiar with Samuel and, and his story. In chapter 1, we see Samuel's dad and mom going yearly to, uh, to, the, to the temple to, to sacrifice and to worship and Samuel's mom, her name was Hannah, and she wanted a son more than anything else. She had no children. And in verse 11 of chapter 1, she has a very, very powerful prayer. And it says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. What a very, uh, very interesting vow that a mother might make as, you know, I'm a dad and I always dreamed about being a dad, but that's different than being a mom. Moms have a different connection because nine months of their life was dedicated to nurturing this child before he even had a chance to breathe its first breath. A mom's connection is, is very anointed. Um, I like celebrating Mother's Day. I think it's a very special time, a very godly, holy time. But Hannah said this, God, if you'll just grant me this request, I promise I will give this boy back to you. And when Samuel was of age, after he had gone through the, the infant, the toddlers, the crawlers, and was a young boy, she took him to the temple to live there. And she left. She honored her vow because God honored her request. I just love this. I just get chills thinking about it. 
And so here we find Samuel in chapter 3, a young boy serving, living, ministering, learning, living at the temple. And the priest, his name is Eli. He's in charge. He is the head spiritual leader of Israel. And the Bible tells us that he was getting older and his eyes were failing. That's verses 1 and 2. We see in verses 2 and 3 that Eli was asleep in his own room. But I, I was fascinated by this. It says, but Samuel was in the temple with the Ark of the Covenant. Even before Samuel really had a direct relationship with God, he recognized the power and the authority. This is something, sadly, our generation, this generation is lacking. Not just a knowledge of God, but a lack of respect for the things of God. A lack of respect for authority and for morals. Um, but Samuel didn't have that problem. See, when his mom had him, before he was to go to the temple, I'm sure she told him every day, now when I take you there, you be good. You listen to what Eli says. If he says jump, you say how high. If he says get out of the street, get out of the street. If he says this is what we're going to do, this is what you need to do. You be a respectful, kind young man. And you listen to Eli. Man, what would happen to our generation today if kids were told that? If that was priority? Uh, Josiah, he is subbing at, at the grade school. And the stories that he comes in with already, um, how... It's just challenging. It's almost like the kids are in charge, and you can't do a whole lot about it. And, and that's just sad. We wonder what's wrong with our, our country. Well, that's one of the things is that kids aren't taught hard work or respect anymore. And I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just being real. Um, that's just, I, I've told this story before, but <clears throat> me, and, me and Jenny and another couple, we were uh, at a, an event, and we saw a little boy come riding by on his bike. And he couldn't have been five, maybe six. And he crashed his bike and just went sliding into the rock. And his elbows were just all banged up. And we went running over there. And my friend said, are you okay? Let me help you up. And before the kid could even recognize who we were or what we were going to do, I'm just being blunt, he looked right up at my friend and said, F you. I was like, oh my gosh. And my friend was like, we're out. <laughs> we're leaving. Um, you know, uh, we, who's going to teach our kids? We are. Who's going to show them the right way to do it? We are. Hannah said, I'm going to let Samuel know right and wrong before I take him to Eli. I know he's going to learn from Eli, but he's going to learn from me. You respect and you be kind. And you work hard and you honor. And Samuel we see he's just hanging out in the temple. That's where he sleeps with the Ark, next to the Ark of the Covenant. My dad used to tell me when I was younger, as we were always involved in church things, it may not make a lot of sense to you, but he'd, he'd say, John, get in close and stay close. He loved to watch boxing, and he loved it. The fighters, would, they'd get into each other, and, and you really had to be strategic when you were fighting, when you were close. He said, he said John, get in close to the presence of God and stay there. Don't run around, get in close and stay close. And it always meant so much to me. We need to place ourselves in proper position to be hearing the voice of God. The prodigal son, he didn't place himself in the proper position. 
The Bible says he lived large and enjoyed riotous living. That's what the Bible says. And that ended him up in the pig pen. And he thought, what am I doing? I left my father and his voice and his kindness and his love. I need to go back. I'm going to go back. That's where I had it good. The Bible says that Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, vexed his soul daily because he put himself in the wrong position. He lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible, what a terrible verse. And Lot vexed his soul daily. Why? Because he was surrounding himself, pastor, with bad company. He was running with the wrong crowd, and he was slowly becoming that crowd. A very, very gripping account. We won't get into Lot tonight, but if you want to read some gripping graphic material, read the account of Lot. Vexed his soul daily. He wasn't in the right position. See, it's more challenging to hear God when we are listening to and running with the world. And that's true. In verses 4 through 9, we see an account of God's voice being heard audibly. And I feel like pastors touched on this so much recently. People say, well, you're nuts if you hear the voice of God. And they probably think audibly, that God is audibly speaking to us. Now, he can. I'm not going to say he cannot. Never going to limit God. I'm never going to say, he can't do this and he can't do that. God is God. I'm not. Okay, his ways are higher than my ways. I don't understand them. That's okay. But God normally speaks to us through our conscience, through our inner man. He can also speak to us through a fellow believer, through a pastor, through a teacher, through, you know, I try to surround myself with the right friends. We just talked about that. So they can speak life into me. So when they say something, I'm like, that's from God, and that's for me, and I'm grabbing that. Neil came in, prayed for me earlier, and just had such a great prayer. And when we were done, I said, I'll take that. I'll receive it. See, it's my choice. I'll receive that, that word that God used Neil to speak to me. And I really appreciate that, Neil. God also speaks through his word. That's why it's so important to get in the word. Um, Neil, I'll bring you up again, but we were talking this afternoon how easy it is to spend too much time on our phone or our device or in front of something that's entertaining us. But say that you're going to attempt to, to spend time in the word for an hour, it'll probably seem like the longest hour of your life if you're not used to it. Because we get distracted. We get thinking of other things in other situations. And it's easier to think about those things than to stop and be still and know that he is God and read his word and say, God, I know you're speaking to me through your word. God has given us all a free will. It's our choice whether we want to hear and obey his voice or not. Here's the sadness of it all. Many, even most, Choose not to hear God. That's their choice. But the Bible says that the, the road to heaven is narrow and the road to hell is wide. Many are saying, I don't want to hear what God has to say. And then they'll, they may justify it by saying, I don't believe in God. Or he's never done anything for me. Or you can choose to do that, but it's, it's not going to be that way for me. And the, and the majority of people, that's what they're saying. I think of Stephen when Stephen was preaching 
I'll get real here with you. Stephen was laying out the gospel of Jesus Christ to an audience that as they heard what he said, you got to see this. This is in Acts chapter 7. The verses hopefully will be on the screen. Verses 54, 57, and 58. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. Verse 57, and they cried with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears and rushed at him. They cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. Guys, I know it's 2023, but let me let you in a little secret. The gospel message can offend people who are not ready to hear it. The gospel message, look what happened to Stephen. You think you're, we're in a different time now? Jesus had already come and already ascended. The Holy Spirit was here. Stephen was preaching, just preaching away, talking about God's grace, talking about redemption and the story of it from, from the Old Testament to the time of Jesus. And they got so sick of it that they stopped their ears and they ran at him, tossed him out of the city and killed him. It can be offensive. Just know that. I was reading today, where Jesus was preaching, and it said, and many were offended because of him. Jesus, love personified. They were offended. Why? Because when holiness and, and God's plan meets sin, sin doesn't have any place to go. Sin gets all agitated and kind of ready to fight back. See, that's what separates us from God is our sin. And God said, I see that. So he sent Jesus. Yes. And Stephen said, God saw that. And he sent Jesus, who you killed and you hung on a cross. And they didn't like that. And they killed him. See, there are three kinds of people in this world. Number one, those who cannot or do not, they choose not to hear God. They cannot hear God, and they choose not to hear him. These are the unsaved, okay? This is the majority of people. They don't know Jesus. They're not in relationship with Jesus. They can't hear his voice. They can. They choose not to. But what is the message that God is calling to the unsaved? It's simple. Come to me. Whosoever will. Come to me. That is the pure and simple message of the cross and the price that Jesus paid for our sin. Come to me. This is what we preach to the unsaved. Anything else you're preaching to the unsaved can seem like foolishness. It's hard for them to digest. But tell them about love and how they can be redeemed from their sin and their guilt and their shame. That's the message of love. You can't get to God. That's why he came to you. Number two, those who hear God but choose to disobey. I call these people carnal Christians. Because it's right here. It's all right here. Okay? I don't care if it's 2023 20, or not. It's all right here. If it says it's wrong in here, it's wrong today. Ah. <gasps> That's the truth. <laughs> and carnal Christians don't want to hear that. They, are they going to, to heaven? 
Sure. Made, made a profession of faith and accepted Jesus as sacrifice for sin. But they don't live like God wants us to live. You want to know how God wants you to live? Read everything that Paul ever wrote. That's how God wants you to live. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to live a disciplined life. He wants you to look to him for health and strength and know that he has everything that you'll ever need. Everything that you'll ever need, it can be found in Jesus. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You need peace, he's got it. You walk in with a lack of joy, he's got it. Do you need a healing? He's got it. Do you need friends? He's got it. Whatever it is, he knows. There was a preacher once said, you know what? I'm so confident in, in God and what he can do that if I need a big old barrel of pickles, I'm not afraid to pray for it because God is big enough to take care of that. What, what he was meaning is there's just nothing that, that, that we can do, we can, that we can put before our Father. And he's like, that's too much. Can't handle that. He can handle it. Number three, the third t kind of people group is those that hear God and choose to obey him. And those are the people I love to be around. I just love to be around people who are walking in, in victory. I call the, these people victorious Christians. People that read the word, they know the word, they love the word, and then they obey the word. And when God speaks to them, they go, oh, yes, sir. Yes, God, I got that. Many of you know, I've told this before, but I was a teenager. We, I was at Walmart with my mom. That's back when we had video games out in the front in the lobby. And I was playing a game. Mom said, I'm going to go in and shop. You play. you got three quarters. You can play for a while. And when I was playing, I was going, and three guys walked up behind me. They were all bigger than me, and they kind of surrounded me. And they were watching my game. I was probably 12. And they started just cussing, and they were kicking the machine, and they were talking violent and talking rude. The Holy Spirit inside of me said, you don't have to stay here. You need to go. But God, I still have a quarter in this machine that I'm playing, and it's very important. I didn't, dis I didn't discuss it. It, was, it wasn't up for debate. God said, I need you to go. And I felt it so strong. I just took a step back, and I, I said, you, you guys got it. And I just walked on inside. See, God knows what I don't know. I, I don't know what they had planned. Maybe nothing, but I, you know that feeling? It's that same feeling when you're channel surfing and you start watching something you shouldn't watch. Ugh, ugh. Something's not right. Well, yeah, the Holy Spirit's saying, don't stay there. I'm getting ahead of myself. God does have three answers to our prayers. Yes, no, and wait. And we're so quick to highlight the yes. You know, God wants this for you and God wants that. And he does. But just as a good parent, God knows what's not good for you. And he's not afraid to say no. To lean over and say, don't do that. Don't go there. I was thinking, well, God, that's true. I totally believe that. Can you give me some scripture to back that up? And he was like, yeah, get a pen. And so... I was going to town yesterday, and uh, 1 Samuel 23, verses 10 through 12, David was staying in a city of Keilah, and he wanted to stay there, but Saul was looking for him. 
Saul wanted to kill him. David wanted to stay, but he called for the ephod of the Lord, and they brought it in, and he said, God, I, you know, I want to stay here, but if I do, uh, will they hand me over to Saul? And God said, they'll hand you over. They'll, they'll, Saul will kill you. He'll, he'll take you. But David's like, but I want to stay here. God said, too bad. You better go. And so David went. Saul, God just said, don't stay here. Okay, where am I going? I don't know, not here. Go someplace else. How about the wise men? After they had seen Jesus, what does it say in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12? And it being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. <clears throat> they didn't go back through Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't say God gave them a roadmap where to go. He just said, don't go to, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go there. And they said, yes, sir. This way. Anyway, not that way. What, you know, this is a very interesting account. I'm sure it's not very well known. <clears throat> Paul was on a missionary journey in Acts 16. And the Bible says he wanted to go to Asia to preach. He wanted to go to Bithynia. And it says this, the Holy Spirit would not allow him. Well, that sounds harsh. Kind of a bully Holy Spirit do we serve? One that knows best. He wouldn't let him go. He didn't tell him where to go. He said, you're just not going there. And so to look at God and say, well, God never says no, you're, you're missing it. When I was raising my kids, I hoped as adults now they'd know the importance of the value of no. I see the value of no growing up in, in my house. When you hear God say, wrong, don't do that, that's the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't have peace about that situation, that's the Holy Spirit. He's letting you know. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. I'm going to get just real crazy here just for a second. It's okay. The Bible can be offensive. So if you're offended, so be it. I'm reading in 1 Corinthians. I'm reading through 1 Corinthians. I'm in chapter 5. Paul's writing to the church. You guys are doing such a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. God's just going to bless you. He's got this. Um, no. Paul said, hey, listen up. You guys are in fornication, and it's wrong. And this is terrible. Fornication is when you're having personal sexual relations outside of marriage. Oh, that's wrong. Paul said, stop it. Paul said, it, it's just, it's not even just regular fornication. Paul said, I hear in your church that there's a guy who's having an affair with his stepmom. Read it. Paul gets ticked. He's not all just sugarcoating everything. You just be you. That's whatever. Until you get that revelation, you're just going to have to struggle. <laughs> he calls them out. It's what he does throughout his writings. Why? Because he loves these churches that he, he sweat and he bled for. He loves these people that he set up. He loves Timothy. He, he loves Titus, these young preachers that he set up in these places. And he's not afraid to tell them there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. 
You don't have to wait for a revelation from God. I'm going to pray and see if God wants me to become a drug addict. You don't have to. He doesn't. Okay? He wants you, he wants you to walk in victory. That's why he gave you this book. I appreciate you, Miss Betty, a ton. Um, you've been like a second mom after my mom passed, but you've been a very close friend, and I hope you guys appreciate. If you know Miss Betty, then you're like, oh, you totally know where I am. Um, she's kind. She's considerate. She's loving. But not only that, she is so very knowledgeable when it comes to the things of God. She walks real close to the Lord. And so I value everything that she says. And she and I were talking a while back. And we were talking about words in the Bible that we join together. I'm going to give you a couple of instances. Happiness and joy. And we think that's the same thing. Oh, it's not. Okay, you guys are, you guys are ahead of me. It's not. We, we, can't think, we can't say that they're the same thing. See, happiness is dependent upon one's circumstances and can therefore change. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit and is everlasting because it's dependent on God's love. See, there's a difference. How about mercy and grace? We hear those tossed around together. But there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. Grace is, is Him giving me what I don't deserve. See, there's a difference. So here's where I'm coming to with this. There's a difference when the Bible talks about conviction and condemnation. Okay? Conviction is when you don't have peace over something. You're somewhere doing something you shouldn't be doing, and the Holy Spirit goes, don't be here. You need to be someplace else. Condemnation is what happens one day when we are not, if we are not walking in the relationship that God wants us to have with him, if we don't know Jesus as Savior, there's going to be a day we're going to be condemned to hell. But while we're walking this earth, we're going to experience hell on earth because of shame and sin that the enemy wants to put on us. Conviction is to find one in the wrong, to convince one of error and sinfulness. I'm thankful that's what my Holy Spirit does in my life. He, direction is correction, and correction is direction. To condemn is to pronounce unforgivably guilty, and I'm not. I can be forgiven, and I am forgiven. Hallelujah. See, there's a difference. The Holy Spirit can convict me, and he always can do it without condemning me. Because the Bible says there is no condemnation in Christ, Romans 8, 1. In Revelation chapter 2, Miss Betty, I caught last, the last two weeks. I think last week you were talking about the letters to the churches. Okay? In chapter 2, he wrote a very serious letter to the church of Ephesus. And he said this, You do good things, but I have somewhat against you. And the word somewhat is italicized, which means it's not in the original. So here's what it says. You've done good things, but I have against you. There's something I have against you, and it's this. You've left your first love. And so then he says this. Remember and repent to the church. Remember your first love. I get so distracted, Neil. 
If I blink wrong, I feel like that I'm just not where God needs me to be, and I'm not walking in guilt, condemnation, or shame. It's correction is direction. I hear God's voice saying, hey, I got better for you over here. Let's come this way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable in what four ways? Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. That's what Paul was saying is the purpose. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. There is reproof that comes at times. There is direction. There is correction. There is instruction. I'm so thankful that God is trustworthy enough that I can look to him and know when he says no, he loves me. He still has good for me. If he says don't go there, I don't go there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He's a trustworthy God. I thought about this in, in three different stories that I want to share that are just personal. So I, I try to be transparent. Um, when I was a senior, we had a basketball tournament in West Frankfurt and our school went and I played. And we were doing good, and at halftime, one of the referees caught me as I was coming out of the restroom, and he said, hey, he said, you're, you're carrying the ball. When you're crossing over, when you're fast-breaking, when you're coming down the floor, you're carrying the ball. And he said, I haven't called you on it. He said, no, you guys don't play a whole lot. He said, you need to stop it. He wasn't going to toss me out of the game but I was going to have to serve some consequences. That fast break was going to stop. The other team was going to get the ball. I thought about that. I thought about another story. Some friends of mine called when I was a teenager, and uh, they wanted to go someplace and do some things. And I said, Dad, they called, and they want to know if I can go. He looked at me real serious, about like Jay's looking at me now. He goes, you ain't going. I thought about one more story. And I debated whether or not to put this in. But it is what it is. I was probably 12 or 13, hitting those different hormones and different phases. And there was a show that used to come on real late at night. It was on free TV, and I'll go ahead and tell you. It was the Benny Hill Show. And I heard guys at the park talking about this show and how I was missing out if I wasn't watching this show. And so I didn't tell my parents, and I stayed up late, and I watched it. And it was done, and I turned it off. I couldn't sleep. My heart was just, I was tripping. And I remember I went in after a while and I got my mom. And I said, Mom, I just can't sleep. And she said, okay, I'll come in with you. She came in, sat down on the edge of the bed, and she said, you know, you're sick? And I said, I don't know what I am. I don't feel good. She, you know, she's mom. She began to kind of inquire and perceive a little bit. And I confessed. And she said, John, don't ever take for granted the feeling that you have. Because the Holy Spirit will always help keep you in line. 
Should you have watched it? I'm like, no. Do you feel that? Uh Uh-huh. And I wasn't concerned about punishment. I just hated this feeling inside of me. See, because I drug the Holy Spirit to a spot that he wasn't comfortable. And I made him sit and watch something with me. And he wasn't comfortable. And he let me know in love. The same with the ref. Ref pulled me aside. He didn't give me a, a lesson on the importance of how not to carry the ball or tell me what I really should be doing. He just told me, stop carrying that ball. But I took it to heart. And I said, thank you. I appreciate it because you probably could have called about four turnovers on me in the first half. Later on in life, I pulled my dad aside and I said, dad, thanks for not letting me go. I maybe didn't say it at the time. Thanks. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice and they know me. My dad could see me out in the street playing football in the street. That's what we did in Willisville with five or six other guys. And he could lean out the door and whistle. And I knew who it was and I knew what that meant. It was time to come home. I knew his whistle. None of the other boys flinched. I heard it. Uh, My kids still joke. More the boys. The girls were not so old. But when we would go to church after church, there was a bunch of kids, and they were just running around kind of reckless. And I told my boys, I told all the kids, but my boys, like I say, they recall this story. I said, if you hear me, snap my finger. You come to me. I don't care where you are. I don't care who you're running with. You come to me because you're getting it out of hand. And Josiah, to this day, he's like, Dad, I could pick your snap out of a group of 100 people. Because no matter what was going on, when he heard the snap, his job was to come to me. Why? Because I had to have my thumb on him? No. Because I knew kids, they can get a little out of hand. I was a kid once, too. Adam and Eve heard God's voice and they chose to hide. Jonah heard God's voice and chose to run. But I chose this fella Ananias in the New Testament who heard God's voice and he chose to obey. Because God told Ananias, I want you to go to a street called Straight and I want you to find Paul and I want you to pray for him because he's blind. And Ananias said, you mean the Paul Saul that's killing Christians? That's the one you want me to go heal? God said, yep. And Ananias goes, I'd rather not, but I will. Because I hear your voice. Abraham heard God's voice. Isaac, Joseph, Joshua, Ruth, Esther, Isaiah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and our character tonight, Samuel, heard God's voice and chose to obey. Jesus says in Matthew, Chapter 7, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is a wise man who builds his house on the rock. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19 came to Jesus and said, good master, what must I do to be saved? And after discussion, Jesus looked into his heart and said, if you 
you would be perfect if you would be saved. Go sell what you possess, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He, he got to hear Jesus' voice firsthand, but it was his choice. And the Bible says he looked at Jesus and thought of his wallet and thought of his possessions. Can't do it. And he went away sorrowful. See, he didn't go away with joy because he didn't get it. He looked for his joy in his possessions. Verse 10. In our scripture tonight, chapter 3, I love this. I read this years ago, and I studied it and chewed on it and just meditated on it, and I've just been so impacted by verse 10, where it says, after Samuel was told by Eli, it's the Lord calling you, it's not me, and so you hear his voice again, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. In verse 10, it says, And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times. You know, another time that we're, talk, we're, we're given the information that Jesus stood is when Stephen was stoned. Stephen said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. And I see the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. See, his place is seated at the right hand of the Father. But because of Stephen's boldness, didn't care if they were offended. His boldness, Jesus said, excuse me, Father, excuse me for just a second. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to honor Stephen. Because he heard my voice. And he's got the boldness to proclaim what I want him to. And the Lord came to Samuel and he stood as he had before, calling to Samuel. I think of a song that we sang growing up. He was there all the time. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. The power of and the anointing in that verse. God, I thank you that in my own life, I can turn and I can try to find it here and find it here and find it here. But when I realized that you were there all the time because you never leave me, you were right there giving me what I needed, providing me all that, that my life needed. God was ready to work mightily in Samuel's life. And you can read all about it. Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history. So I, I want to just encourage you guys tonight. As we talked about at the very beginning, how do I hear God's voice? Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. First thing you need to do is get saved so you have the Holy Spirit with you. Because if you're not saved, the only voice you're going to hear from God is, come to me, whosoever will. But once you accept that, then you have relationship with him. Then you feel the leading of his Holy Spirit. Then you're able to hear someone give a word of, of wisdom, a word of knowledge. You can realize that's from the Lord. You can read a verse and say, has that been there all this time? I've read the Bible for years. Has that always been there? Yep. But God's revealing it to you for such a time as this. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you that your word never returns void. Thank you for Samuel and the anointing on his life. And thank you that he was able to hear your voice and then he had the wisdom to obey it. God, that's my prayer for these that are here, 
that we would get in your word to realize that your way is the best way, that you know what's best, and we can trust you because you're a trustworthy God who loves us. Thank you for our time together, and I pray that, uh, that we just meditate on this this week and take comfort and take a challenge and realize there's power in what we've talked about tonight. Oh, the beauty of your voice. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you guys. You are dismissed.